Kia ora, it's Julia here. I just wanted to quickly give you some context to this episode before we begin. It was taped before the tragic events in Christchurch, and it's dedicated to the people affected by those events. Here we go. Thanks for listening. Greetings everyone, welcome, welcome, this is our second podcast show for NZ Free Law, uh, brought to you by ture.co.nz. The purpose of the podcast is to assist with fulfilling Ture's mission, which is to connect New Zealanders with better access to and knowledge of legal services. So NZ Free Law will be talking all things law in New Zealand. And as I mentioned in our last show, it's for everyone, the public and legal practitioners, all things like frequently asked questions that lawyers get asked and try to answer, we'll try to answer those best we can. Also legal theory, cases and, you know, hot legal industry topics, what's happening in the, in the industry and, um, and in the future. So once again today we've got a great guest for the show, but first I'll talk about my co-host, Curious Josh, we named him last show. (laughs) Josh is a non-legal person, so he's there to ask those questions. Speaking for the people, so yeah, I'm, (laughs) I'm interested in meeting smart people, so working with Julia and Sarah today. And, yeah, I ask the questions that everybody's thinking, non-legal people are thinking. Thanks for being here, Josh. And my name's Julia Stenson. I'm a lawyer from the Waikato who's moving into this new digital connecting space. Thanks again for agreeing to be my co-host again today, uh, Josh. Now, to our special guest of the day, Sarah Manning, who is a property lawyer based in Christchurch. And she's talking to us by telephone. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, how are you? Yeah, great, thank you. Thanks for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to speak to us today. It's no problem at all. Hope I can answer some questions. Um, no doubt you can. I had the pleasure of working with Sarah, actually. I, this is not the first meeting with Sarah. She was a senior associate and I was a junior, so sorry, I'm coming clean that I know Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> a but, few years ago now. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the legal word of the day. I like to leave this as a little bit of a surprise for our our guest lawyers, but it's don't worry, Sarah. It's always a word that um, that tends to be something that's in the space that you work in. So this is the part of the show where we introduce a, a legal jargon or a word that lawyers are familiar with, but the public may not be. And today the word is easement. And a simple, oh, right. yeah. So a simple Lovely. explanation I have for that is that it's it's a right that's agreed between a landowner and another party, say a neighbour, to use a property for a particular purpose. For for example, a driveway, a shared driveway, and it can be registered against the property's title. So do you have anything you want to add to that, Sarah? I imagine you use them regularly. Yes, yes. Well, we were, um, I think we were both doing property. Yeah. We were working together and easements are um, a commonly used um, thing in property. So, yes, rights of way, drains, um, telecommunications, water, um, water rights, all those sorts of um, things are all often covered by easements. And you've rightly said it's one party having the right over another party's land, pretty much. We deal with them all the time, and it gets back to people, again, and shared ownership of anything or 
shared services of anything, there's always potential for dispute. Yeah, getting them, so, getting yeah. people to agree on on what it is because it doesn't actually. It's not that it confers any ownership over it. It's just that right to use that part for that particular yeah. reason. So, so if I'm buying Absolutely. a property, you're looking at buying it. Like, how do I find out if there's some easement? Like, if I'm looking at buying a property, how do I find out that information? There's some easement. That's where you need a lawyer. Um, otherwise, you're right. sort of flying blind quite a lot. Usually, they well, they should be registered on the property's title. Um, so that's one of the main reasons for if you're looking to buy a property, which most New Zealanders aspire to at some stage, um, you do need good legal advice on it. And we're down in Christchurch at the moment, so we've had a, another whole layer of complexity with the earthquakes. Um, so yeah, that's been <laughs> that's been fun, um, and the work's still going on with that as well. Um, but back to easements. So yes, you need to um, when you're buying a property have your lawyer look into it for you. And ideally, that's before you've gone unconditional on the property. So you do what's known as due diligence and your lawyer will check everything, write you a report. And what we do is coloured plans. So we'll attach the plan and we'll say, look, there's a right-of-way down the driveway and that's coloured pink and who's responsible for maintaining it, et cetera. And so it's all set out so that you understand. And and what's the consequences? Or do you have a horror story of i got to buy it, I don't check the easement, Get into trouble, Usually, um, we've sort of I've, luckily I've avoided any horror stories on easements that I can think of. Um, but I have got plenty of people, um, or not got, they got them out of contracts, but where there's been a problem with the easement. Uh, we had a party wall one a couple of weeks ago where there was meant to be a whole lot of, and a party wall is a shared wall between townhouses or between commercial buildings. So there needs to be proper terminology around that in case it falls down or someone damages it, um, and there wasn't. And so this person decided that perhaps she might not go ahead with buying that due to that easement being faulty. Um, of course, we'd put in the proper due diligence wording, so the vendor wasn't very happy about that. Don't know if they'd known about that or not anyway. Um, so, yeah. That's mm, that is an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, there's lots of things that can, but we always aim to do all that work in the period before you've gone unconditional. Otherwise, we get easement disputes. So I'll just say about that, and um, that can be where parties are fighting, and then we sort of it's like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because you're trying to sort things out later, and it's always harder. Yeah, it is harder to do it up front. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember having um, a scenario where the there was a driveway and it was had been used for many years. It was a shared driveway, but it turned out that there wasn't actually any easement in place. So when mm-hmm. the owner went to sell the property and they discovered that actually there wasn't any um, sort of entry um, easement, they struggled because they didn't really get on with their neighbour. It was a commercial <laughs> building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And suddenly they yep. were very, very friendly to their neighbour that they'd actually fought with for years. So that's yep. usually how it's best resolved is that you take your hat off and you go cap in hand. <laughs> yes, yes, and hopefully everyone will be grown up about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, great. So we'll move on, on to the legal topic of the week. So here is the section where we do a variation depending on our guests and sometimes it'll focus on legal practice which we'll be talking about today, property, and other times it'll be on the legal industry or the theory of law. We'll get into it, we kind of already have with Sarah giving us some great 
answers there. And Josh, I'm sure you've got some questions. I'll, I've I've Make got some questions. Make me rich through property. <laughs> That's I'm sure you get that from lots of um, clients, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's lots of questions. That's all good though. The more questions, the better. Yeah. Okay. So let's. I've got one to start with. So you're an experienced, clearly a very experienced lawyer from Christchurch Law Office. Um, your law office is Mortlock McCormick Law, and you practice across lots of areas in conveyancing. So You've already talked about a sort of easements and things, but what are the other kinds of matters that you handle on a regular basis? Um, so we, I mainly specialise in property, um, although that's such a broad topic. So, and in Christchurch, that encompasses insurance as well, um, and a lot of uh, you know matters around the earthquakes. So, residential and commercial conveyancing. So, residential conveyancing is buying and selling houses. Um, commercial conveyancing is buying and selling commercial properties, so you know big buildings and um, commercial property. A lot of leasing work as well. Um, so that's acting for landlords and tenants um, in terms of commercial leases. We do a wee bit of residential property work, but not too much. Um, so it's much more uh, commercial leasing. Also do rural work, so buying and selling farms and rural properties and businesses. A lot of, as I've said, the insurance work is still. Um, huge at the moment. I'm still doing quite a lot of that and acting for um, groups, so a lot of multi-unit. So that will be where there's a block of cross-lease, you know, maybe 10 houses and they're cross-leased and they're all joined together and it's taken seven or eight years for them to get to their insurance settlements um, and then they might want to um, look at fixing their properties or perhaps selling them depending on where they've got to. So we're doing quite a bit of that as well. And finally, quite a lot of trust work. Right. So, yeah, mm. busy. So with those unit unit cross-leases, yep. I would imagine that, that comes back to people getting on with each other as well. <laughs> Very much so. There's unit titles in there as well. So it's either cross-lease or unit title is sort of the, the main two forms of shared ownership of things in Christchurch. <clears throat> There's lots of blocks of flats basically, or blocks of townhouses. What's the um, difference? And, um, in terms of unit title yeah, and cross-lease. Cross yep, um, so cross-lease was dreamed up in the 60s, I think, and that was, a, um, basically, it was a, there wasn't really a way uh, under the council rules to get lots of houses on a small space. It was very difficult to do that because you sort of, there was a sort of the quarter-acre Pavlova Paradise New Zealand dream. So in the 60s, um, some clever people designed cross leases, and what they are basically, if you look at them, the most simple explanation of that is there might be um, two townhouses joined side by side, so you can get two properties onto a section, and the owners of those two flats they actually own the underlying land, but they each lease the flats to each other. So it's a sort of a legal construct, and people do get confused, and they can live in a cross lease flat for 20 years and not realise that they don't actually own it, they really lease it, but to all intents and purposes it is ownership it's just, it's a 999 year lease usually, so it's just a legal construct and way of doing things, but with the earthquakes, it sort of proved a wee bit problematic if people's, one owner might have had state insurance and the other one might have had tower, so you've got two different insurance companies dealing with the same overall structure and damage so and you've they got to, to they've together. got to yeah work together. I think that's one of the yeah. key things is that you've got to agree with each other on what's going to how you it's going to move forward. 
Yeah. Mm. And then the unit title was dreamed up in the 70s. I think that was probably um, Australia's got what's known as strata title. Um, we've got unit title. And that's been sort of modified. I think it was about 2010 a new act came in to sort of update the old act from the 70s. Um, and that's where um, there's, a, there's a whole piece of legislation that deals with unit titles and how those are written. If you think of the big apartment buildings in Auckland uh, or Wellington, those are mainly unit titles. Um, Crosslease tends to be more townhouses um, and blocks of sort of maybe double or single story you know, yeah, houses, but the, the unit titles are more the apartments. And if you buy into a unit title, then you need to do a lot of due diligence and understand how the body corporate functions and whether or not it's at each other's throat, which hopefully it's not, mm. but plenty of them seem to be. So, yeah, and how it all works as well. Again, yeah. that's a, just a larger number of people having to agree <laughs> to, yeah, to the future yeah. of the building. And, yep. Yeah. Other humans. Yep. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's interesting because Josh and I were talking um, about this when I was first talking to him about the, having the show. And I said to him, well, you know, the law is about people, which is what you said earlier. And I was um, laughing at that. I was like, what? Yeah, and he sort yeah, of was like, what, what do you mean? And so you go into medicine or you go into social work if you want to do people. I didn't quite understand. Why would you be a lawyer to work with people? Because <laughs> it all gets back to people. It really, it really does. Yeah, yeah. It's about people getting on with other people, people buying things from people, people leasing things from people. People doing business deals with people, people doing shareholders agreements with each other. Yep. And I think it so, really yeah. does come down to communication with each other, making yes. sure that you clearly understand what you're getting into. That's absolutely right. And um, there's the old saying, a stitch in time saves nine. And I think that's probably quite an apt one. So what we try and do is get everybody clear at the start what they're signing up to and then there's hopefully less room for argument later Mm. is the aim. Yeah. Is there Mm. a particular reason why you chose to practice property law over other areas of law, Sarah? Um, I've always enjoyed liked property. I've sort of grown up with it. My father's um, still a registered valuer actually, so he values farms and um, houses and commercial properties. had his own valuation practice for I don't know, maybe more than 40 years. Um, and so I've always been interested in property through that. Um, yeah, so that's probably... It's amazing the, the effect. Yeah, the, the effect your parents can have on you. My father's a builder, and so I always, I still to this day have a bit of an obsession with um, actually every house I walk into, I want to I want to do a makeover. So I'm one of those people <laughs> that loves those shows. <laughs> exactly, because it's sort of something you, I don't know, you just grow up with it and you just soak it in and, mm. yeah, it has an impact on you. And also I've always enjoyed reading and, you know, the more the arts than the sciences. So I think that's probably why I went the law, the law way. Mm. And then property is just something that I've always enjoyed and I enjoy doing it in the UK as well. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it'd be quite different over there actually because their structures are quite different. So Yeah, yeah, there's, um, I've always sort of thought, you know, the, Practices are different, but the principles are the yeah. same. So I qualified over the year. I did the three-hour exam to qualify as an English qualified lawyer, um, which is well worth doing, actually, um, on a number of different things. I got better work because of it, um, all of that. 
And yeah, yeah, it was it was a good challenge to actually be forced outside your comfort zone. I was just starting to get comfortable with law here. I've been doing it. It takes a few years to really get into your stride with law. Sure does. Like anything. <laughs> yeah, and then I went up over there and it was all new again. But it was, what it's done is it's made me much more resilient and flexible and able to just get on with it. So that's the sort of attitude I think that I've got now, which is is great. So did you have to study um, a lot more to do that three-hour exam, Sarah? wasn't too bad. Quite, I mean, I think Same if principles? you're a New Zealand lawyer, yep, if mm. you're a New Zealand lawyer um, wanting to qualify in the UK, at least when I did it, which was admittedly, I think it was 2006 or seven, six, I think it was. So it's a while ago now, and I think they might have made it a bit more difficult, but not that much more difficult. It was one three-hour exam. I think I took me two or three weekends um, of study and probably a few weeks of getting into work at 7.30 and doing an hour of study before. Mm, totally doable. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So what about case law? Have you got any case law, interesting case law, that you refer to a lot in your area or or perhaps an interesting um, scenario that you've handled that you want to want to tell us yeah. about? Um, in terms of cases, I, I mean, yeah, I sort of I read them, um, but there's not sort of one in particular that jumps out at me. Um, I'm sort of more focused on the day-to-day transaction on hoping that I never end up being a case. Yeah, that's <laughs> my my main focus. I don't want to ever have to go near being a, any of my clients being a test case on anything if we can avoid it. So, yeah, I sort of focus more on the transactional side of things. Mm, there is still a lot of leaky homes around from the 90s and um, yeah. very thankful to my father. He He's sort of taught me from many years of driving past going, there's another one, there's another one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Do you find yourself doing that with clients very often now? Um Checking, uh, checking the lot. age and then immediately that's a red flag for what yes. products were used. I've done that forever mm. and actually I'm probably going to tempt fate now but I don't think I've had any of my clients that I know of that have bought a leaky home or have bought an earthquake disaster but now I'm touching wood because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, been, yeah, I've been very um, upfront with them um, about that. So if it's in that sort of leaky home era um, and what I, it's great, I mean, Gosh, when I started, um, which is, gosh, I don't want to say, it was probably about 18 or 19 years ago doing this job, um, there wasn't so much internet. But now if a contract comes in and these people are, you know, buying a house in such and such a suburb and, you know, you can Google it, um, come take one second, up comes a picture of the house. Um, and you can see when it, you know, normally it's got when it was built and, you know, I mean, I just, I can ring them and say, look, you need to, obviously you want to do proper due diligence on this. Um, it looks like it's, might be a monolithic cladding, so I think you should get a um, really good building report. There's actually specialists in um, leaky building. You know, there's builders that do just general standard pre-purchase inspections, which are an absolute must. Mm. Um, and I, yeah. And then there's also specialists in the sort of if it looks like it might have some monolithic or some sort of issue. And, they, and not all monolithic houses are a problem. If they've been maintained properly, if they've been built properly, if they've got the right ease, um, all of that, they can be absolutely fine. And I've seen plenty of reports from specialist, you know, leaky building people saying this house is, is fine. And then the people, you know, they can buy it without any worries. And also if they want to sell it, then they've got that peace of mind and that report. Um, 
So, yeah. It comes down to that due I, diligence, really, for, again. It does. But, but I don't quite Absolutely. understand the body corporate. Can you explain, like, how or what a body corporate is and then why that would apply to leaky homes? Um, oh, well, a body corporate, there's a unit, what, there's something called the Unit Titles Act, and that was set up in the, about the 70s. And it's just a way of ownership for... So, so say you own an apartment on the 18th floor of a big building in Auckland. In the 1940s and 50s in New Zealand, that wouldn't have really been so common. Now it's really common. And so there needed to be a way devised that people could have ownership of their apartment in the sky. And so that's why the Unit Titles Act came into being, and that's why there's now... And a body corporate is simply... Um, the the sum of all of the owners, so the sum of all the parts. Yeah, so, so say there's a yeah there's a hundred. It's a board of trustees um, a, from the school. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, but everybody has a say because everybody's um you know so say there's a hundred units or a hundred apartments in a big apartment building, then every one of those owners, those apartment owners, is part of the body corporate. Where the link with leaky building comes in is that unfortunately a lot of those buildings haven't. Not, you know, not a lot, but enough that we all know about it, of those buildings haven't been built or clad correctly, and therefore they leak. And therefore you've got 100 people, and it might leak in one corner and not the other, or it might, you know, it's just every variable imaginable. Right. Great. Yeah. Mm, so if you're going to buy anything, you need to do good due diligence on it. And one way with body corporates is to read all the minutes for the last three or four years. Oh, right. And you can tell if they're arguing yeah. or if they're like cool. Yeah, you can often, yeah. A lot of smaller body corporates. So there might be, for example, down in Christchurch, there might be, or even anywhere in New Zealand, there might be five townhouses that have been set up as a body corporate, but not as a cross lease. So they might not even actually have a functioning body corporate. And that's proven to be alarmingly common, <laughs> um, even though the law says that one has to have a functioning body corporate and the long-term maintenance plan, et cetera, a lot of, um, a lot of um, smaller sort of, you know, body corporates. Behave as a cross-lease. Yeah, that's right, or just that they own it themselves, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yep. So that's, again, the due diligence that you get your lawyer to do when you're buying a property. So you can find all that out sooner rather than later. Yeah, there's more there's more use there than people. <laughs> that's why you get a lawyer. Right. <laughs> that's why you get a lawyer. And another wee thing that I just want to say on that is with auctions, um, when the hammer goes down, it's unconditional. And so in the hot property market that we've had up until fairly recently, um, there's been a lot of people buying at auction. And I think especially it must be upsetting to go to about four or five auctions and not get the property. And so I think they... They're not doing their checks beforehand because they're thinking, why should I pay a builder and a lawyer to check this thing? I'm only going to go to the auction. I'm not going to get it anyway. And so it's a great way of selling something that might have some issues if you're a vendor because, bang, it's sold. Um, and people might not have done as much due diligence as they would do if they had a you know a standard contract with a good due diligence period in there. But again, that's just life. Life's not perfect. Mm, a true A true seller's market. <laughs> yeah, it has been, absolutely, particularly obviously in Auckland. And has it been that so, way in Christchurch at all or has has is that quite different to the rest of the country? It was, it was very much like that after the earthquakes. Um, surprisingly, you sort of think, oh gosh, it would all 
quieting down, but it got really busy and the supply, of course, was less. So, um, yeah, no, there was a lot of auctions. And I think the market's flattened a wee bit now, but not hugely. I mean, it's still, it's not going down or anything as far as I can see. It's just got a bit flatter and I think sales might be taking a wee bit longer to go through. And I think auctions perhaps aren't as popular as they were on a really booming market down here. What is the most commonly asked questions um, you get from your non-legal friends and and what what's your normal answer to them? Um, I get lots of questions. I think probably the most commonly one the common that I get from non-legal friends is, oh, look, I'm looking at buying a house. Can you help me with that? I get a lot of that. Um, and my answer is, look, absolutely, we can help. We've got a really great team here of people. Um, so there's a team of really experienced legal executives um, and solicitors and then partners as well. So my common theme is looking at, especially if you're buying in Christchurch, because whilst there's a nationwide leaky home crisis in Christchurch, there has also been a bit of a what's known as a creaky home crisis. And I don't know if you've seen yeah, headlines about the on-solds and people that have bought um, subsequent to the earthquake that thought that they were buying something that had been fixed properly and then they might go to sell it a year or two later and those people get a building report and, oh, no, it's actually it's foundations are stuffed and then, oh, it might cost 500 grand to fix that. Oh, dear. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on still. Um, and we've actually been referred quite a lot of work um, in terms of helping people that haven't brought them through us but are now them. They're now trying to go back and deal with EQC and insurance. Hmm. So we've got quite a bit of expertise in that area and quite a bit of experience and getting some good results for people. Yeah. Because it's the whole EQC saga continues years and years on. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a push to try and sort it, which is great if it can be sorted in the next year or two would be fantastic. There's going to be a legacy of it, though. It's not. It's never going to go away, I don't think. And with that legacy, do you think that there's been less purchasing and more leasing or renting demand? Um, in terms of, in terms of, well, residential, no. I think residential people want to own homes, and that's just the same. That hasn't changed. Um, mm. Not, not that I, I mean, I, we do quite a lot of buying and selling, so I might be a bit biased because I still see quite a lot of contracts coming in to, mm. you know, buy and sell. Um, in terms of re, um, renting, we don't really look, I mean, that's more sort of property management companies that look after the residential rentals. Um, in terms of commercial, in Christchurch, there's been some fantastic property developers down here, um, and I'm on the property council, um, which is a, nationwide um, sort of group of property owners and um, people interested in property um, and they do really good work Um, so I'm on the executive of that down here which is a fantastic thing to be on and look there's been a lot of fantastic people that have poured their heart and soul into building big commercial buildings in Christchurch and rebuilding it and the city centre is looking really great so that's fantastic really you know lucky to have that and there's been quite a bit of leasing as well going on so yep there's been I to be honest I think people still want to own things and they still you know if they've got businesses they need premises and generally they want to be in the CBD if they can so yeah the market sorts itself out it's taken a while. I just want to go back briefly to the property council you were talking about you said that it do does all sorts of work can you give us an example of what sort of work? 
Um, they do submissions on things. So, for example, um, what you know, at a local government level with the council, um, if the council is wanting to push something through, then the property council will um, have a voice there and give a voice to the um, property owners um, and tenants as well. Um, and might go and sort of sit in at a meeting where, where you're allowed to have your say and you know put put forward a view there. At a national level, um, there's submissions on things like the Overseas Investment Act. You would have seen that there's new legislation come in around that, um, and that is to sort of aim to help it make easier for New Zealanders to buy property. So now um, anyone that buys property has to sign a form to say that they're a citizen or a resident, and if they're not, then they might need to go through the Overseas Investment process and get overseas investment consent. That's even just to buy a house. So that's, you know, it's been a lot of Massive change. changes. Yeah. Yep. So the Property Council will submit on things like that um, on behalf of its members. Okay. How do you become, is that a membership? Or can it just be somebody who's... Yep. Anyone can be a member. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So there's a, um, we've got a really good website and a really good, great team of people that run it. Um, so just Property Council NZ. Um, yep, and then, yeah, if you really want to get involved, then you can. So, yeah, it's great. Do, do you have a story of anyone that you've helped that really stands out to you? Um, so many. Of, so of, many, Sarah. Yeah, so many, <laughs> so many, one. really. Just one. <laughs> well, I suppose the one that I'm sort of thinking about Immediately, um, as a couple, with all the groups of townhouse owners that have been struggling for years trying to sort their insurance and their earthquake repairs out, um, and then they can finally get to a resolution, and that might be involve like 20 different owners um, will come into the room, and you know everyone there might be 90-year-old Maisie and 23-year-old John, and they're all different walks of life, and they're all different ages and stages. And they finally get to a group resolution of what they want to do, and then they might move on to fix their property, um, or they might move on to sell it. Um, and then just letting them know, you know, look, this is the sale's gone through, and money's in your account. And I've had several years with gratitude because it's been seven or eight years for them, and it's just been too long and it's been too hard. Um, and we've sort of picked up a lot of this work in the last year or so, sort of just to get it over the line. So, yeah, I've probably been lucky in that we've managed to do that and make, you know, they can move on then. They can move down to Balclutha to be with their grandkids or they can, you know, go overseas that they've always wanted to do or whatever it is, you know. And that's quite satisfying. Really satisfying. Yeah, that's what I like. For a many, for, you know, a lot of New Zealanders, their property is their retirement plan. It's their biggest asset. It's 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 really that that major piece in their lives. So mm, it yeah. is. It's the biggest investment for most people. Yeah, it absolutely is. So it needs to be respected. For the benefit of the audience, Sarah, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yep, I'm from Southland originally. I grew up on a farm down there, um, and then I went to Otago University. I did six years there. Um, that was a BA and an LLB honours, and six months of tutoring history took me to six years there um, and then I went and worked in Wellington um, at a big law firm there for a few years which was great experience. Um, then I moved down to Christchurch for a couple of years um, and worked at a medium-sized firm there. Then I got itchy feet and went to London um, for 
actually I went to Edinburgh for a year um, and worked in a big law firm in Edinburgh, which was amazing, but I always wanted to go to London. So then I was in London working for a really, really big law firm for about four years. <clears throat> and then I came back to New Zealand um, and straight back into a, another big law firm for a few years, um, about four or five years, I think. Um, and then now I'm a partner in a middle-sized firm in Christchurch. So, so really, really my, great. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been been sort of a bit of a roller coaster in terms of there are lots of um, exciting jobs and great opportunities that the law's given me. So I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, it does sound like it. And mm. I didn't realise that you'd studied history. Yes, yep. Studied um, art, English and history and anthropology. And do you so th- I got a BA as well. Oh, yeah. and did you do you think that that's helped you at all with your um, I think practice? it does because it helps when you're studying because it's quite nice to have a break from just doing pure law, which can yeah. be quite um, full on and also quite competitive. Mm, um, very competitive. The sort of, yeah. <laughs> so I quite enjoyed the sort of the history and the English and the anthropology as well as a bit of a foil to that. And also law is about people. Um, so history and English anthropology is all the same. I mean, it all feeds into what you you know learn and what you know and yeah how you deal with people. So no, I'm, I'm absolutely th- you know really happy that I did that extra degree. But but no aspirations of staying on the farm. Um, we've uh, we've managed to buy a wee lifestyle block actually. So now it's it's good because um can sort of do both things. So at about half past five this morning, I was out feeding cows. <laughs> so so yeah. Yeah, maybe we could probably just do a podcast on the things we were all doing at 5.30 this morning. Yeah, <laughs> probably. A whole nother life Three weeks before. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you're also, yeah. you're also an avid horse horse lover, aren't you? Yes, yes. And rider. I horses. Mm. Yep, yep. So I've been lucky to keep that going. And also, again, the law's been great because when I was in Edinburgh, um, uh, there was it took about two minutes to find someone that needed their horse ridden in that law firm. So wow. I managed. I had a horse to ride all the whole time I was in Edinburgh, and then when I was in London, through family connections, um, I had three years of going out riding people's horses um, in the Cotswolds, which was just I brought on the young horses and did some things. You know, I had an amazing time, the most amazing people and the kindest people um, imaginable. So, mm. yeah, had, a, had an amazing time. That is. You know, I've, mm. I don't – I spent probably close to two or three years in London and I don't remember even seeing a horse apart from when I, I went and had a look at Buckingham Palace. I think there was a couple of horses there. So yeah. that, that's yeah. a really amazing story that you've um, experienced that you would have had, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really, really good. And again, I mean, I sort of thought about it a lot, and all of that comes back to what I did at you know university and the doors that it opened. Um, yeah, so mm. I've been fortunate with that. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, mm. thanks for telling us a bit about yourself. I learnt things about you every time I meet you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll... I'm sure I'm sure it's the same the other way. It's all good. <laughs> Well, that's it for our second podcast. And thanks thanks very much, Sarah, for taking time out again and, and coming to speak today. It's been extremely interesting. And just putting my – it's been a long time since I've talked property, so it's it's been really interesting oh, for me. Well, well. <laughs> and thanks to to Josh for his – curious Josh for his he's, questions. He's, he's, I never knew. <laughs> yeah, and, hopefully I could answer some of them. And, yeah, thank you both. Uh, and, well, thank you again. I mean, thanks to our listeners, really. 
tune in next time. Until then, I'm Julia Stenson, and from all of us here, take care and have an awesome day. Kia pai tōra. Check this.